Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Kieran Alga about how to run your best virtual marathon. That's how we live now, Rick. Virtually. Virtual insanity is what we're living in, as a profit and excellent distance runner Jamiroquai once said in the mid-90s. One of those facts is true. (laughs) Uh, How you doing, mate? You been right? I have been fine, actually. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, It's a sort of uh, an open-ended question. It's... um, I read some some stats came through from the National Office Statistics uh, last week, which I think people will have seen uh, concerning lockdown and the rise in depression um, amongst adults. And I think that um, lockdown has probably seen everyone have their their ups and lows. But it was quite a it was quite startling stats actually. It was um, it said almost one in five adults, which is sort of nineteen percent, were likely to have experienced some form of depression during uh, COVID nineteen pandemic as of June twenty twenty. And that's almost doubled from around one in 10, which is sort of 9.7% before the pandemic. And they class before pandemic as July last year through to March this year. And we're now well into August. So I can imagine those stats are sort of continuing to creep up a bit, um, certainly from personal experience. And we've talked about this on on here on previous episodes about um, certainly when lockdown first happened and uh the the importance of of continuing to run and I kind of think maybe I thought that running we we talked about running being the great plus and the great takeaway from from the situation but it's it's you know it's um I think as an as a country it's it's it seems that um yeah I mean it's had a really significant impact on people I mean not not that may sound like I'm stating the obvious but it's when you have a stat in front of you like that and you kind of feel like I mean, personally, I've been, you know, we've both been talking about using exercise to help ourselves. It's mm. that sort of, it's a really, um, it's really clear that the impact has been pretty immense. I agree, mate. And I think it, the, we both obviously sign up to the idea that, that um, running or any kind of aerobic exercise can, can help uh, with your mental health. Um, and there's lots of studies to, to support that. It's interesting, though, when you talk to, to someone, and we've probably all got friends who just, who just, don't look at physical exercise in, in that way, right? And actually, it's quite a hard sell to say, you know what, what's worked for me with this is is going out and running. Because I think if you have a, if you've had a poor experience, normally at school around, you know, running or, or sport in general, you don't turn to those things in the same way that, I guess, someone like myself who always enjoys sport at school, I, I kind of think, well, of course, running will make me feel better. I know that. But I think if you, if you don't have that, sort of backlog of positive experience of sport it's really hard to get um people who are feeling low to see 
that aerobic exercise might be part of the solution. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think you you didn't you you tweeted the other day a sort of a, a sort of a, a question on the whole if you don't have that glowing moment of running. Is that what you? Yeah, I think I was talking about being a, a responder the same way that you are. You're either a non-responder or a responder with caffeine. I think so. Like if you're a non-responder, then you could have an espresso and then an hour later you could be asleep in bed and if you and if you're a responder then you really get this massive kick from caffeine that you know is, it can be good or bad and i wonder if there's the same the same could be true of running because you, you hear from people that actually you know they've tried running that they've really given it a go on it you know and it just hasn't worked for them and all the same could be true of cycling or whatever but some people it's it's this real kind of like life-changing activity that that rarely fails to to make them feel good um i'd love to see a study about it i would love someone more sciencey than me to look into this oh yeah i mean um absolutely i would love someone with a, a greater degree of rather than you you and mine's professional pseudoscience stance isn't going to cut the mustard here no i mean there was i mean one of the stats <clears throat> you know you, you you have to sort of take solace in in wherever you can and, and it was around one in 25 adults um saw an improvement over pe- the period so what I would actually love from from this from the National um, Office of Statistics, oh sorry, Office of National Statistics, get it right, um, is kind of that that three percent, that that three and a half percent or an improvement, like uh, just a deeper insight into that maybe because it would I'd, it'd be great to see like have that quantifiable knowledge if if that was down to running or down to just some sort of circumstance where you know they've rediscovered exercise or something like that where um you know that we can only speculate but it'd be nice to to think that that was possibly the solution um but yeah i mean it was uh it was it was it was a stat i thought that was worth worth bringing up so you know make sure you're uh talking to those uh, talking to your friends keep in touch with everyone um it's a, it's a tough time so it's uh i think it's important to make sure that we all we all discuss our feelings a bit more. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things about uh, about running and, and the area that we work in is that we, we can see firsthand that for lots of people it does have this kind of transformative effect physically and mentally. I've got some good news as well, just on another subject. But racing is kind of back. Yeah, it was the um, MK five thousand PB special over the weekend. So this was uh, yeah, a Milton Keynes uh, five thousand, and I think last last year they it was on the track and for obvious reasons that kind of confined space isn't going to work uh this year so i think it was on a sort of uh flat closed roads course in milton Keynes. a lot of lot of club runners uh, particularly from the southeast i guess came um came down for it lots of very very quick times and um yeah great great to see like racing on quite a big level um being back and being done sensibly and i think uh yeah i think a lot of people um did run really quickly and uh yeah i'm sure it was a, i'm sure it was a real relief for people to get back to doing the stuff they love as well it's been nice to see again actually it's sparks of normality which you look for in everyday sort of stuff now that you can remind yourself that you know things might might become normal-ish once again oh i agree mate i agree um oh, i was watching a bit of um kind of a running film ben as well which i wanted to watch for ages but there's, there's a film called unbreakable which is about the kind of western states 100 i think it's the 2012 event and this is when it's this very interesting uh, time where killian journey is just uh, he's won a few races in europe and, he, and he's kind of coming over and then there's three really good u.s runners including uh 
Anton Kopitschka, who was a bit of a hero of mine when I was getting into the sport. He kind of runs in like a, he normally runs bare chested, but when he's not doing that, he's running in like a sort of silk shirt and looking incredibly cool. He's kind of like, if you can imagine, he's sort of like the missing member of like someone like Fleet Foxes, you know, kind of like sort of indie band. And he's like effortlessly cool. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's great. He looks at, he looks at that race and, and uh, in detail. And it, it's, it actually, I mean, we were talking off air about, you know, these exciting times in the kind of, I guess, in the kind of early-ish days of, of movements, be it music or be it running, where it can still feel like anything's possible. Maybe it's slightly more amateurish. Um, people are training in very weird uh, ways, probably not coached. And uh, it was great. It was a real great reminder of, of what an exciting time in, in ultra running I thought that was uh, back in 2012. So if anyone um, is listening and wants to revisit that or find out what I'm banging on about, then uh, it's on YouTube for free. If you, you can just go Unbreakable Western States YouTube. It's about an hour and a half, but it's well worth it, I think. I thought you were going to give me a, a recommendation to the film Unbreakable, same name, but it's like Bruce Willis <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it's it's an M Night Shyamalan mil- movie. <laughs> it's called Unbreakable. I thought you were going to just go on about that. I was well, like, no, oh, no, Rick, that, that, oh, but tangent, again, but, you know, different films for different needs. Yeah, it's quite yeah. good. I've seen it. <laughs> I recommend that version of Unbreakable. So we've we've we're talking about virtual racing uh, uh, this week, aren't we? We've got Kieran Alga coming on, uh, talking a little bit about. I guess it feels timely, doesn't it? Because we've got London Marathon is offering a virtual race uh, for people uh, so they can do it within 24 hour periods. And I guess a lot of people can be like, oh, virtual racing, like what, what kind of a kind of pale comparison to the real thing? And I'm, I'm not suggesting that it, that it compares to running the streets of London, but I think there are, there are some advantages to, uh, to the virtual race and hopefully um, we're going to discuss them. So do you reckon we should bring on our, our guest of the week, Ben? Our talking tech guest of the week. Let's do it. Lots and lots of marathons uh, being cancelled. Uh, lots of people are moving to the virtual realm, including London Marathon is offering people the chance to do a virtual London Marathon. And we thought it'd be great to get our resident tech guru, Kieran Alga, to talk about how you can turn a virtual uh, marathon to your favour and how you can get the very most out of this uh, this format. So, Kieran, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's interesting times for, for people trying to race and trying to uh, go out and beat their records and use all that training they've done. So... Yeah, over to the virtual realm. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people are going to be thinking about it, particularly people who, are, who sort of were hoping to run uh, London in the flesh, because now it's an option. And you can, and actually, they're saying that if you run a good for age time, then that's that can be valid as well. So there's lots of kind of motivation for for doing a good virtual marathon. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I was really pleased to see that actually that they were going to basically treat it like it's uh, you know a legitimate race, and all of those things still apply. And it does then sort of raise lots of questions about. Um, how you go out and and where you're going to do your run, and there are, I think there are some big benefits and um, things that are going to be on your side as opposed to race day, and then there's going to be some other considerations that are going to make it a little bit more tricky. But hopefully, there's some tech that can can help with both of those. Great. All right, let's talk about some of the. Let's, can we start with the negatives then? Some of the things that might work against you in in the virtual marathon. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess you know the biggest thing is going to be route planning. And although you'll have been out and done your training runs and you know your area, actually a 
many of those sort of uh, areas that people are running around and probably not primed for running a fast marathon. You might have hills right outside your front door. You might have lots of sort of urban space where there's traffic lights and stops and people, twists and turns and all of those things. So, you know, elevation traffic lights, general traffic, um, hydration is going to be another consideration. Um, not having that, you know, that that nice punctuation that you get from the aid stations every five or water stations every five k's that you'll get on a regular city marathon. That's not there to help kind of guide you along and even even nudge you. So that's that said, you know, you've you've got the opportunity to go and run wherever you like, and actually that brings with it the opportunity to go and find somewhere that might be really flat. <laughs> and the city marathon you were going to do has some hills in it. Um, so there are some swings and roundabouts here. I agree. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's right. Because I was thinking, well, if I really wanted to run, I'm not sure if there's any rules around doing a lapped route, but I'm, I don't think there are. I could just, I just run around, like there's, there's Dulwich Park is near me, which is possibly London's flattest park. And it's it's a mile once round. If I had a go at doing 26 of those, I reckon. That, oh my God, that be, sounds, that, it sounds like you, I mean, this is the biggest, before we get into this, this is the biggest like, possible issue with the whole thing is obviously for like championship times and good for age and all those sorts of things and people submitting gpx files gps whatever from strava or however it goes and how those things can be manipulated and stuff like that it is quite sort of like i don't want to sort of launch into something about the the fit the risks of the virtual marathon and, and what they can actually mean if it, if it if it goes towards something more important but there's definitely some there could be some root doping, should we say? Are you talking about scope, scope for cheating? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I think in so I would looked into um, the England Athletics 5K champs, and there there were guideline rules. So you couldn't run a course that was predominantly downhill. You there was a limit to the the distance of a single lap. I think you could only do it in maybe two. It was only like a two lap was the the maximum loops that you could do. So I don't know. I'll have, it'd be interesting to see what London does and what the other races do in terms of setting the parameters, but they do try and their best to kind of weed out that kind of, of behavior. But I think there's, there's even some really interesting variables here that are not deliberate. So your GPS watch could give you very different readings. Even if you've got, you could wear exactly the same device on one on each arm and they would both read differently. It's possible with the way that the satellites work. Um, and there's undoubtedly going to be some people who will run further. There'll be some people who will run less distance, depending on the quality of the chips in the watch, whether they use the phone, whether they went out and got six satellites to link up to their watch or only four. Um, all of these things will come in, into play. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's... And then there's your route selection. You know, if you have some sections of downhill or... If you're able to go and find somewhere that is very flat, you're clearly going to have a slight advantage. Can we talk about some of the other advantages, Kieran? Because I think that there are quite a few, aren't there? When you get into it, there's actually quite a lot of ways you can make this work for you, I think. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's really interesting things. Like all of a sudden, you can control the start time. So if you think about those, those race mornings, it can be quite stressful and you often have to get up very early and get your breakfast down and do all of those things before you set off to a start line that might be way away or you might even traveled between cities all of that is now under your control so you'll be at home you know you've got maybe a more comfortable start you can start when you know you perform best uh, you can think about the weather and make sure that you're not going out midday when it might be the hottest 
Um, if you wanted to, you could even go out in the middle of the night and run when there's no traffic on the roads. Um, obviously being safe, but you know, this is all down to you. Um, and I think that that could be very interesting for some people that it just takes away a little bit of the the fuss and the stress and the friction and you're more relaxed about it. Definitely. Um, Especially those things like when you're, your race, your start time is what, I don't know, eight in the morning or something like that. And you've got to travel there, which means breakfast, at, like you're up at four and you're eating breakfast at five and no one wants to eat a load of food at 5am, like a big meal, but you have to, cause you're doing that. Like none of that taking place is massive. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And then, you know, when you get out onto the course, you've got things like there's no other runners that are going to be in your way. So if you find a course that's fairly open, there's no weaving. There's also no potential, you know, we're all probably quite guilty at some point in our marathon running where you get swept along in that first sort of few miles by the crowd, run too fast. You know, this is all now down to you and you can control that a little bit more. I guess the flip side of that is that there's no one to carry you on when you're when you're hanging at the last sort of four miles. But and that's quite that's quite nice about the, the pacing and I think actually going back to that GPS point I think in my experience of running marathons I've done about 40 or so the GPS sort of tends to clock more mileage over an official course you always feel like you've run further um, so this might be a helping hand you might not have to run as far <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's really true Kieran I think at London I think it's very easy to run 26 and a half miles i reckon with all the with all the weaving um so yeah and that's that's a difference of maybe a couple of minutes so maybe more so that's that that's great i like the idea of controlling the start time because i think there are some studies that show that vo2 max tends to be higher in the evening so actually a lot of people might run better you know from if they were doing five to five to eight or whatever hot tip from pearson there you go yeah and that, that split between, you know, what is it? It's kind of, what is it, owls and larks or whatever. If, you're, if people perform better depending on their, the rhythms of their own body clock. So it might be that you're, yeah, you're better at three in the afternoon than you are in the morning. So you can set that. I think London's going to have a window. It's a period of time, isn't it? So there's, a, there's like a 24-hour window to run it. But within that, you can find the time that's right for you. What's going to be the biggest challenge then for, for anyone taking on this, this virtual marathon? I- hands down for me it's route planning right. you know you've got to you've got to find a good 26 miles to run i think that 
you know, there are ways to do this using tech, you know, potentially the easiest way to do would be to look in your area and find your official marathon course. And hopefully that's a nice flat one or one that's not too far away that you could go. And then you've got a route that's already been laid out. They tend, you know, the race organizers tend to sort of select courses for their runability. And then you have to find out when you can go and run it, you know, and I would, I'd be keen to do that if it's within the window on a Sunday morning, very early before the traffic comes out on a Sunday and go and run one of those courses where you can, you can probably use some of the roads as well. Um, you can obviously then look on, uh, you can get those routes from official sites or you can search on Strava for previous competitors who've done those routes and download the files. And then you get into things like, you know, you're going to have to navigate these courses as well. So if you're not familiar with the route, you have to know when you're going to have to turn left and right and you've got no marking. So that's getting into the territory of some watches will enable you to load up the GPX files and have turn by turn navigation on the wrist. Or you're going to have to know the route. Um, again, I think a lot of this comes back to you sort of lean to the idea that a loop is probably a good idea, even though I think a lot of people don't naturally like to run loops but i reckon a 10k loop that's controllable flat has a huge amount of benefits not only for route planning and and route guidance but then you get into the the realm of where you can set up your own water stations if you have a family member who'll come out you'll then see them four you know four times if you've got a 10k loop uh, that can really help with um evening out that kind of the struggle that you might have with hydration you then don't necessarily have to carry quite as much water um, you can obviously create your own routes and there are some tools I think that are interesting for this if that's what you plan to do there's a tool called Kamut which is really good for planning off-road um, you can't search by distance on that unfortunately so you can't find other people's routes for, for a set distance but it can it will guide you to places that are greener to run and probably have fewer people on them you might have a few more hills in those places if it's off-road uh, but you can check out the the elevation gain and the kind of terrain that's underfoot for all of those. Strava is brilliant for finding routes from other runners. Um, you can obviously create your own routes on the map. And I think my favorite thing about the Strava planning tool is that it will give you an estimated moving time for the distance. And I think that's also based on the kind of terrain that you're going to encounter. So you can see if a route might be quicker than another route. Um, Garmin Connect is another one that has caught the, the, the courses function in there lets you find popular routes that people have run before. And that's that. the good thing about that is you can filter that by distance. The only negative with Garmin Connect courses is that there's quite a lot of um, the cycling data seems to get mixed in and it doesn't really filter it out as reliably as you might like. So yeah, you might be getting a route that someone cycled rather than run. And then one one other app that I've I've sort of used before, which is quite good for the navigation point is a thing called RunGo. So this is route guide uh, route planning and then also it turns into um turn by turn audio route guidance on an app so you can pair in your bluetooth headphones and then you can navigate which is going to be a key thing if you're running somewhere you don't know yeah and then i think you know i so i would go i would do all this and i probably i would my my instinct would be to do a 10k loop do it early on the on a weekend find somewhere that's probably close to your home so that last k's i really like the idea of coming in with the last two k's are the two Ks that you always do when you're finishing your training runs coming home because the familiarity, just you know it, you've run it before, you know what's left to do, and I think your brain will just go, all right, I can do that. Um, so you could do a 10K loop nearby and then finish those last two somewhere close to home. 
I think that's really good, Kieran, because I think it's and it's also slightly easier to curate a kind of 10 kilometer flat route than it is to create some kind of absolute masterpiece that's 26.2 miles long that you that you're probably not going to get to recce properly like it's a bit more controllable isn't it 10 kilometers i think yeah you you might be able to you know you depending on where you live you might be able to get that inside one of the kind of big um parks or you know that it just gives you slightly more options of running in places that are going to be more manageable i think looking at canals looking at parks um and I know some people have done, this is probably won't get you 10Ks, but people who run around stadiums, you know, things like that you're looking out for that where there's going to be space and you can clock in a few, you know, a few miles. I like the idea of your own hydration station because this, this is kind of, like, this is one area, well, one of many areas in which the pros have a kind of slightly different experience to to the kind of everyday marathon runner because, you know, often they'll, you, you see Kipchoge say just reach in for his, his, his bottle with some Morton in which he can then, you know, uh, then he let then sort of chucks after a hundred meters, and you can't, you know, you can't do that in, in a marathon because you'd have to carry, you know, like a, a liter and a half worth of of liquid or whatever. Whereas actually, if if you had your own like hydration station that you could um, that you could return to, then actually that all that stuff can get a bit more tailored, and you don't actually have to carry as much as well, which I think is another um, yeah another advantage. Yeah, you could leave your gels. You know, you can leave gels to pick up for that one ten k loop, or you can. And because the other options of hydration, if you're going to go out and do a 26 on your own, you know, a decent hydration bladder, most of them will carry up to two liters or, a, or an ultra vest will have a liter and a half in the soft glass on the front. So you're going to have to refill probably based on the guidelines, you know, the sort of recommended guidelines are around 400 to 800 mils of um, fluid per hour. So at some point, you know, if you're doing a three hour, even you're going to have to, you're going to have to load up a little bit. Um, so that takes that out of the equation. And I really love the idea that you're back to see your family or whoever might come and aid, you know, or, or you can stash the, you could stash it in the, in the hedge, but that's a bit risky, right? Where's it gone? It depend, depends yeah. what park it is. I think I like the idea of actually setting up a table. I think that would be, that would make you feel so pro if you were like outside your house, you had a, had a table, you know, and you, and you could, you could decorate the bottle like they always do to make them stand out so that they know you'll know it's yours because it's your table but i think you should definitely do it like put a sticker on it make sure you you know it's yours i'm I'm pretty sure that's going to unlike it and this is another benefit as opposed to running a normal marathon where you might only get to see your family or friends once this is going to give you a boost every six miles or however however you know distance that you decide to set that table at but you're just going to get that little bit to push you into the next round um and i think psychologically there is there's actually something to be said about becoming familiar with the loop as well you start to have more regular markers that you can bite off and it can it can feel more more manageable i think as well because of that can, can we talk a little bit about how we could use a watch say to to our advantage when it comes to a virtual race yeah i mean there's a few key things and i you know again the navigation if you're not going to do the loop is really key and this will depend very much on whether or not you've got the right kind of watch but if you're looking like the garmin phoenix 6 pro or a polar grit x other watches will let you upload that route onto your watch and then they'll offer some kind of vibration to let you know either if a turn is coming up or handily if you've gone the wrong way. So that's a really good thing if you want to take your mind off having to memorize the route or worry about the route and you can just get your head down and run. Um, I think another thing, you know, a lot of people rely on paces to set PBs in marathons. They'll fall in behind their flag and 
and run that and let someone else do the mental work of pacing. And there's virtual paces on on many watches that will let you program uh, a target time and a distance. And then you can set set the fields up so you can do things like it will tell you where you are ahead or behind against that virtual pace of time. You can also see like a recent split pace of what your recent mile pace was and your target pace now that you're going to have to hit to hit your goal if you've fallen behind or, or pushed ahead. Those things yeah, can keep you, you know, they just keep you on target nicely if you haven't got other things to carry you through like you might have on a normal marathon race day. And then I think, again, miss if you're not going to do that loop with a, 10, with a 10K or whatever, you've got to think about hydration. You have that sort of natural reminder with um, water stations in marathons to I better have a drink now or I should probably take that gel now that's gone so you I know I definitely recommend setting up reminders on your watch you can set little alerts to buzz every so often based on distance or time and that use that to kind of plug that gap and then if you if you're really into it and you want to go a little further we're starting to see things like on the polar grit x there's a feature that will actually calculate your fueling strategy and then it will use your heart rate and your real-time intensity to actually tell you when to eat. It's really, really handy. And it's not, it's not about just incremental kind of timestamps. It's actually looking at how you're performing in the moment. So it's, it's a very, very handy feature. And then I think the other, the other sort of one of the other final things is that you haven't, you know, another thing's going to be missing is the, the mile or kilometer markers. So you can't, a lot of us, I think, would look at our watch when we pass that kilometer and see how many minutes have ticked by since we did the last one, that's gone. So you, you're relying on your GPS and real-time pace on GPS can fluctuate. It can jump around all over the place. So if you're going to do that, I would suggest that you have a screen on your watch that shows you the average lap pace, the distance you've run so far, because it evens out those kind of lurches that you might get just from real-time pace. That's good. So yeah. Can... Uh, yeah. I've definitely had a watch before that's like that, that jumps around a bit and you're like, am I the fastest or slowest runner that, that's ever lived here? <laughs> yeah. And you've got, you haven't got that opportunity to kind of reconcile that against what's happening in the real world. Like you have, if you pass a, a marathon mile marker, and you can see, okay, it's been, it's been seven minutes since the last marker went down. Um, so I tend to put both those stats on my screen, real time pace and an average lap pace, just to make sure I've got an, an indication of, what's happening to me in, in, in the moment and then also that I'm hitting the average that I need. And this is, this is surely an opportunity, Kieran, for, for multi-watches, right? This is like you're coming into your own here as a man who's often seen with, with two watches. This, this, is, this is what you've been waiting for. You should, you should always wear more than one watch. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing. That is a, big, is a big point because you the last thing you want is to go out and do it and then for some reason your watch hasn't recorded or the... So the GPS route has gone wrong and it does happen. It can happen where it has a glitch and it misses out four miles of your course. So I would definitely recommend wearing six watches, <laughs> a pod, a chest strap. No, you know, run with a backup tracker for sure. If you can get hold of a second watch, borrow off, off a friend or use an app as backup, then I would definitely recommend it. Kieran, that's great. I think you actually made me quite excited about the, the virtual and I can see, particularly, I guess one thing we haven't talked about is that you could do your virtual marathon um, with a couple of other similarly paced uh, people, couldn't you? Which which it would give it a slight more a feel of like running in a small pack as part of um as you might do a, a kind of smaller marathon. So I think 
if you did that as well with all these other advantages, I think you could, yeah, you absolutely could run a PB for yeah. sure. Yeah, get 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 your reverse goose formation. You mean <laughs> one, one meter? Yeah. One meter. Yeah, everywhere. yeah, exactly. Yeah, can we get the Kipchoge flying yeah. V with uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be exciting, and I think there's a it's it's be a new experience for for most people. And yeah, if you set it up right, I don't see why there's any reason that you can't go out and and make the most of it. Have a good, have a really good crack. That's good. Kim, yeah. Thanks so much, Kim, for coming on and yeah. talking about that. That's uh, that's interesting. Are you going to have a go at your own virtual marathon? Do you see this happening? I, I might have a go. Yeah. I don't know whether I'll hit my PB. I haven't done enough training. I, but yeah, I might go out and do it and just do it for fun. Yeah, me too. I think I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give it a go, it, see what I can do. But you're, you're ridiculous. No, no, There's nothing no. fun about a marathon. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're running one mile loops for 26, it's it's so much fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to go and watch <laughs> yeah. Rick do that. And <laughs> yeah, oh please, I tell you what, you could you could be the hydration station I'll manager. I'll be your for hydration station, your hype man, and also your biggest critic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Great. Perfect. It's perfect. So thanks for having me on. Cheers, guys. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Kieran Alger, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes, and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. But in the meantime, why not subscribe to Runners World magazine today and get three issues for £5? Visit hurstmagazines.co.uk slash runnersworldpodcast to get this exclusive listener offer. 